Welcome to Let's Talk. 
<laughs> Let's talk native. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to pull my uh, my. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Well, <laughs> welcome to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, July 9th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches. We t- take a tough look at uh, history, oppression, survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. When we may step on a few toes along the way, but our real goal here is to break down is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. Uh, we'll take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is being heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. I've got uh, Ed Schindler in studio, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna choose some choose some issues up here a little bit. But before we even start, let me remind people that our audio streams um, at www.letstalknative.com. We stream video of the show live on Facebook Live. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which also puts it up uh, on any any and all of your favorite podcast platforms. We take video of the show and we post it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. And I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel. We we just posted, in fact, I, I say we, it's Jake. Jake just posted a whole bunch of videos uh, of some of the performances by Jeff Doreen and Laura Kuji uh, at my last event in New York City at the Brooklyn Commons. Uh, broke out a couple of the individual songs, a couple of their, their performances. And uh, I encourage you to take a look at them. And please enjoy them. And, and remember, if you're, somebody just said, geez, I wish I knew what, uh, what the uh, translations were. I'm thinking, well, if you don't know Beatles tunes, you can find the lyrics online easy enough so if you're wondering what is jeff saying when he when he's singing these uh these these beatles tunes in mohawk or even the dave matthews tune that he does um look you can find the lyrics and you you'll have a a perfectly good english translation of what uh, what are you singing in mohawk uh so again we got a bunch of those videos up there of course we we post all the videos of the shows that we do here and the ones we do in new york and we do some short short form videos like uh the one that is you know uh you know getting some pretty good hits the one we did on ruth bader ginsburg i call it rbg on the dod I know it sounds catchy, right? It sounds like I could do a rap song on that. I won't try that. But uh, no, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Doctrine of Christian Discovery. So um, uh, do check it out. And look, share these things. And if you share them on Twitter, make sure that you that you you know, um, uh, you know tag some of the folks that uh, that you would like to, specifically to hear these things. And uh, and if you <clears throat> if you share them on Facebook, make sure you tag some folks too. But uh, we look for your comments. And look, I get it. Not all comments are going to be uh, favorable. Like I said, I know we step on a few toes along the way. So, um, but I think these are conversations that need to be had. Um, I'm willing to have them. And at the risk of you know never quite being that popular radio host that uh, you know that some some people achieve, uh, I've, I've got a targeted audience. I'm not trying to compete with kitten videos, you know, or you know, you know, cute little videos of squirrels you know, surfing or anything like that. Um, I'm trying to reach out to our people and the people who are genuinely uh, interested in some of the uh, some of these native issues that we talk about. So, look, I'm the host of Let's Talk Native. I'm a Assisted by Jake Proud here in studio, who's managing our audio uh, and our sound, our, 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 our audio and our video. Audio is sound, yeah. Our, our video <laughs> and our sound, um, and of course, like I said, I've got uh, I've got Ed Schindler in studio, and Ed, you and I, um, we went to lunch this week, and we we kind of had an interesting conversation about customs and tradition, yeah, and. 
and you asked the question. You said, yeah, when does something become a tradition? You know, how far back do you have to go? And, yes. you know, and as a kind of a, a post of, um, you know, a promo of the show, I asked that question. I mean, how far back do we have to go before we, um, before some people believe that something is a tradition? I, I, you know, arguably some people believe that drinking has become such a big part of who we are, um, historically even. I mean, let's face it, they used alcohol as an inducement for treaty negotiations. It used yeah. to be, you know, requisition wagon loads of rum or gin or whatever else, you know, that they would, uh, they would use these as, um, as, as part of their, their, their treaty negotiation, uh, you know, strategies. But alcohol clearly has become a major part of our lives, problematic as it is. I mean, and, and there are some people who think, oh, drinking and native, that goes hand in hand. Um, I'm not willing to accept that. You know, I will accept that it certainly is in our lives. And, of course, now we can ex- expand that, uh, the, the substance abuse associated with alcohol to other substances. But there, there are other things. Church. Mm-hmm. patriarchy male dominance i mean we know that when the europeans came they brought things like you know like alcohol i um, mean they they brought things like like disease which are, you know we 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 didn't necessarily embrace the disease but we did embrace at some level alcohol we embraced some of their their christian uh ideologies you know too many men embraced the male patriarchy and the male dominance you know culture that's how we have today where people will oftentimes refer to a chief system as opposed to a clan system that i mean that's that's a clear indication of how um patriarchy and and male dominance has has even crept into what we consider our 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 traditions right so i mean that i mean i don't know if you want to go on this a little bit but this whole idea of when something becomes a tradition or a custom and does it ever become a part of our culture i don't know what do you think one of the things i think people should realize is that a lot of things that we bring up are quite contradictory to what used to be historically and within the communities. Okay? And like drinking. At one time you got to realize there wasn't drinking at this at this uh, level. And that there's going to have to be an understanding research and understanding as to how did it become that way? Okay? What was it before then? Okay? Those types of things are really, um, well, really trying to address the concept of identity, what makes us who we are, and I think that's really something we can get into. Well, and and so. I think you know to that point. I mean, uh, when you talk about some things coming in that are contradictory, I, I often talk about talk about this this notion and this concept of um, cognitive dissonance. Yeah, and. And that's exactly what that is. It's it's when we adopt a practice or you know a philosophy that is really um, contradictory to our core values, or we hang on to a core value even though we know you know when when white people use the, the expression con- uh, um, cognitive dissonance, they're also they're oftentimes talking about how people will hang on to a value system that is contradicted by facts. By science, yes. and you know, for us, you know, I'm I'm taking a little a little bit different approach to this notion of it's the same thing. It's the same conflict and the tensions that created are created by a core value that we associate to our culture, 
But now, because of this notion of customs and tradition that aren't quite a part of our cultural identity, but they be, that, but they have been become part of a practice in our lives for mm-hmm. so long that many people do. I mean, enlistment in the military service, for instance. I mean, think about that. There are people who say, well, it's my family tradition. I'm, I'm a third mm-hmm. or fourth or fifth generation. People talk about, you know, you know, I had family that served in the, in the Civil War. You know, maybe they'll, they'll even try to connect it all the way back to the, the Revolutionary War or whatever else. But you'll hear people who enlist in the, in the U.S. military and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm third or fourth generation military. And so for them, that's their, that's their family tradition. But it only became that after a fashion. At some point, the United States was our enemy. I mean, clearly that's the, that's the case. I mean, we we we, you know, whether we we fought directly or our people, you know, uh, fought directly against the the colonists in their attempt to, um, uh, you know, to to free themselves from from the monarchy of Europe. Um, clearly, we have had these conflicts with the United States for for many many generations, and and yet we adopt this sense of patriotism, you know, almost this, you know, what are they, what are they called? Stockholm syndrome, I <laughs> guess you could call it. So, I mean, I guess that is, this is where I want to chew some of this stuff up because, and I'm not just condemning military service and I'm not even necessarily just condemning the church. Uh, I, I, but some of the things that come with that, again, patriarchy, male dominance, the, you know, when we talk about some of the problems that we face today, those problems are oftentimes associated with this idea of a, of a male hierarchy that the church reinforced, that military uh, reinforces, and some you know alcohol reinforces it. Yes. You know because a lot of the abuse that is associated um, domestic violence, you know, comes comes from you know the you know the use of alcohol or other substances. So mm-hmm. I don't know, I mean, but again, this notion that we've created this this detachment this again this cognitive dissonance this tension that exists with so much so many of us i mean and we can see it not just for us here you know in seneca territory for instance but as you know seneca is as as you know gunya gahaga as as Haudenosaunee, as ungwe that word even i mean that whole that word ungwe is this notion of being a real human being and by real meaning a connection to the to our to the earth to creation mm-hmm. that the reason we, we call ourselves that and no, don't necessarily call you know white people or other people who aren't necessarily that don't have the same connections we do is is just that they they haven't been shaped by the you know thousands of years and and our relationship with the earth instead they come here treating land and and resources as commodities not yes. as something that you have a relationship with whether it's you know the the elk or the buffalo or the caribou or the rivers or the land we had a different sense i'm not saying we always got everything right you know but but we clearly had this notion of this you know again the concept of seven generations that allowed us to to think beyond our own children mm-hmm. or our children's children or, or, this or weekend. The, you know <laughs> well yeah or the weekend <laughs> yeah yeah so i don't know i mean talk a little bit about the the tensions that that you see and how some of these new traditions you know have have led to them some of the ones that have changed 
Sure. Um, there were some basic skills that didn't exist within, within say, European um, people, um, such as listening. And when you say listen, when, I, when I'm saying that, I don't mean just open your ears and hear what he says. Yeah, it means understanding what is being said and understanding how it, in, how it engulfs both you and anyone else, how that all applies to each of us, and that goes to the next one of comprehension, where we understand why are we placed here on this creation. And that was within the teachings of the seventh generation. We have to learn how to be part of the creation, not to live, not to live um, off from it, meaning commodities, but to live within it. Okay, and why was that was in order to be able to take care of the teachings and help the seventh generation, so that what we did was going to be helping that coming. And by seventh generation, we're really talking about those faces that we will never have right. direct contact with because that's far enough out. Yes. So I mean, I think that's that's that ends up being part of that uh, that idea mm-hmm. and that ideal system. And that's that's what the people were focused on was as a community working toward taking care of the seventh generation. In order to do so, you have to turn and learn how to be part of this creation so that you can always pass it on so it'll reach them. That was uh, one big important aspect. Well, and, and, you know, you mentioned it earlier. One of the things that, that, um, that we didn't do, we didn't treat land as a commodity. The idea that it's something that we, we can not only own and have personal ownership of, but that we can buy and sell, and we can, you know, uh, I mean, this isn't about land use. This is about a piece of paper that says you own it. That yes. was a concept that wasn't ours, but no. that came from, again, from some of that, that European, um, you know, philosophy about um, enrichment. You know, I, I have a guy in New York who calls me every, every all the time, and, and he, what he tries to claim is that um, that capitalism uh, was the answer to slavery and i'm saying and i say no just the opposite i think slavery was was one of the answers to capitalism how people could become more enriched um create more consumables um and 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 enrich themselves at the same time consumerism when we start treating treating land as something that we consume and by consuming i mean taking the value out of it and to where it, you know, whether through contamination or, you know, deforestation, whether we change the, the landscape itself to, to meet a, a completely different standard, that fits in. That, that, again, you know, what we did in terms of clearing land for farming and that kind of stuff was done at a different level um, than, you know, what white people did. Yeah. You know, they immediately sought to create enough commodification of what this land could could yield so they could trade internationally so they yes. could you know get involved in 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 enriching themselves beyond beyond their own borders not not just letting the land take care of them but letting the land enrich them mm-hmm. and um a lot of i've talked to um i've taught some classes and a lot of people think how well basically exploited my people were okay and i've had People say that the African American, as much as they went through, they didn't go through as much as Native American. And my response to them was, well, 
they haven't gone through as much as the circle of life has. Look how many trees have been eliminated. Look how many animals have been destroyed. Look how many things, basically, that create that circle of life that that um, we're part of. Look how many of them have been destroyed and are still being destroyed. Well, I talk about Hawaii a lot of times on the show yes. because I really identify with you know with the plight that uh, the Kanaka Maoli, the traditional um, uh, Hawaiians, are going through. I was listening to a program uh, on on public radio this this week, and it was it was talking about the 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 status of of a Samoan in mm-hmm. the American Samoa because they aren't yes. U.S. citizens. They're considered U.S. nationals, and, and of course that raises some issues for them. And when they were asking some of the folks, even some of the folks who thought there was a benefit to being, there would be a benefit to being a U.S. citizen, they said no, they don't want it, and they didn't want it because they looked at Hawaii as a or, or Guam or, or or the you know Puerto Rico, any of the, as as a cautionary tale that concerns them. But one of the things that you to you know to further the point that you're talking about, they talked about how. Um, how much uh, Hawaii's landscape changed because of the colonization that took place there, and um, and you know even species uh, you know that, that were not indigenous, whether it was cattle or whether it were you know certain birds or whatever. There are entire species that have been wiped out in Hawaii because of you know frankly because of the um, the introduction of uh, of a non-indigenous species so the whole ecosystem gets changed so that's what comes not just with you know the idea of, of migration and immigration into a territory but also this this idea of treating land as a as a commodity so you you, you rather than seeing the value and what that what our what land produces not just for us but for all of creation we if we can be short-sighted enough and, and ignore this concept of seven generations, we can say, no, we're going to change it all. We're, and I'm not just talking about building cities and blacktop and concrete. Frankly, those urban areas, as much as they, they, they are you know, a, a complete change of, of a landscape, those are relatively small areas compared to what, mm-hmm. uh, what farming has done. What, what, you know, I mean, uh, my friend Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz talked about how uh, how devastating the beef industry, the cattle industry is. Yes. Not just because beef is ne- is not necessarily that good for you, but because of what it does to the land and and what it you know what has been done to ecosystems to accommodate you know whether you're talking not just out out west, Brazil, South America, China. I mean, there's so many areas of of the of the planet that are changing because there's this you know again the, the, this changing of, of traditions, if you will. Even yeah. traditional diets, you know, uh, to to accommodate, you know, uh, uh, you know, the change um, on what we're willing to raise and what what we're willing to live off of. Right, and as you were saying earlier, because we've lost the the responsibility of looking after the seventh generation, okay, then things such as drinking, alcoholism, drug abuse, all those types of things are not relevant to your concerns anymore because... They're temporary not, fixes, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not concerned about those long-term responsibilities. And unfortunately, that's, that's one of the things. Well, I mean, but uh, again, and, and I know people will view this uh, in, in a certain way, but, but even things like, like Christianity. Christianity basically doesn't... Um, 
Yeah, it, it, even if people look about, you know, okay, so what is a, what does a Christian do with their life? Um, in terms of, you know, uh, if their ultimate goal is to is to is to go to heaven, and you know, and, and if mm-hmm. the thing that they're avoiding is hell, you know, so damnation versus salvation. If if those are the only two choices, um, they may not necessarily consider the the impact of the life that they choose on maybe on their kids you know, or their grandkids or great-grandchildren, but not necessarily seven generations. So even this idea of secularism versus, you know, uh, versus, you know, this idea of eternal, you know, salvation can, can take away the responsibility that you have and the way you need to live your life. I mean, it's interesting that, that capitalism and, and even, you know, these, these Christian core values, they can exist in a, in a state of cognitive dissonance too, because I mean the idea that you can you know promote one idealism associated with uh, with religion and adopt a completely different one. It's like the church advocating slavery, for instance, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know and the idea that you could treat you know um, a certain class of human being as if they weren't human beings. Yeah. You know, so whether you're talking about native people or black people or you know or, or Filipinos or you know any any people of color. And it isn't necessarily because of their color, it's because of their belief system. However, and this is where it gets challenging, you look at some of these cultures that immediately did pick up things like Christianity. I mean, I, I talked about the Moravians being, you know, mm-hmm. being massacred by the, uh, the Pennsylvania militia, part of the, you know, the, the colonists, the Continental Army. Um, but if you know, as you look at what the Hawaiians went through, I mean, look, they were pretty much a, a Christian, a Christian nation when they were recognized internationally in, in the 1840s as a, as a sovereign nation. Um, but it didn't stop, it didn't, it still didn't stop them from being, you know, treated as, um, I mean, look, the Queen Lilio Kalani, when you look at what, uh, what Randolph Hearst and, and some of these people were how they promoted them. They they put them down as monkeys. They they had cartoons running in their papers. The Philippines, the, the Filipinos went through the same thing. The Samoans went through the same thing. And many of these were already they had already already been converted to Christianity. So this notion of Christianity doesn't save them. In many ways, it neuters them because they, you know you, you get into well, blessed are the meek for they they will inherit the earth. So even though your life can be a, be a living hell today, you're supposed to believe that you're going to have you know eternal salvation if you just you know um, if you just suck it up, I guess, and 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 take what uh, I mean. Look, what was it? Jeff Sessions then he gave some biblical quote that would lead pe- people to believe that somehow, if a government exists then it exists because God let it exist and that you must obey governance. I mean, that's literally what was a Jeff Sessions quote, uh, you know, before, you know, before he quit the, uh, the eternal Ge- attorney general's office. I mean, is, you know, so again, this is what creates some of the, that cognitive dissonance uh, as well. You know, so when we abandon certain philosophical um, uh, elements and characteristics like our commitment to the those faces we will never see right, when we right. when we start adopting this idea that 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 we are fashioned in the likeness of god and that we are our job is to is to rule the planet and and subdue the you know all the creatures of the earth that's a completely different concept that that was yeah. a part of who we are and mm. and so 
it leaves us in a situation where now we've got, you know, uh, American flags all over our territories. We've got, well, not only do we have, you know, people enlisting at a high rate, but we, we incorporate elements of um, this military service. I mean, I, we, we talked about powwows. Yes. <laughs> powwows, which aren't necessarily a part of our culture, but we embraced it as, a, as almost a pan-Indian kind of, or a, more yeah. of a, a universal um, practice that, we, that brings Native people together. So we, we adopt that, and that becomes part of our tradition. But then we put a label on it, and we call them veterans' powwow. So not only did we, did we uh, you know, bring in a, a pan-Indian concept, but now we've even turned it into, into some sort of patriotic you know, uh, expression of, you know, and, and, and honoring of, of people who served in, in the U.S. military, the U.S. Yeah. war machine. I mean, so even those things, you know, become, uh, you know, create a tension within many people. Yeah, basically create celebration of, of and they, they consider those things to be honorable, yeah. which is, you know, a lot of things are honorable to a lot of different people. No problem there, understood. But it's not the same as what we, within our identity and our culture, had at one time. And therefore, you, as I talk about this, I say you got to look at what was it and how did it change, when did it change, what changed it. And did it change for the better? And was it, <laughs> yeah. An improvement. Was it? Hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we'll take a break here and we'll come back. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more because, you know, I, I, we talk about identity a lot on this show. So mm-hmm. this idea of customs, traditions, and culture, um, because they aren't necessarily the same thing, but right. they all do shape our identity. So we'll talk about that more when we come back. This is John Kane with Ed Schindler. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back. So calm to me Blood of water It comes so naturally It's a gift from my mother You can't deny The day we lose it is a day That's a day we die 
soul to the very last drop. Hey, I want to thank our sponsors before we get back into it. I want to thank um, uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank ERW and uh, Eric White and his uh, his enterprises. Um, we've got a couple other folks who, who sponsor and, uh, and support the show. Uh, Ed Schindler is one of the guys who uh, who steps up and helps us. Uh, we, we you know we're buying a few little pieces of equipment as we go, and, uh, and so any of the support that we get from uh, from big donors, small donors, the, the folks who who can contribute when they can. It all helps. Um, we're even looking at. Eh, we're, uh, Jake was just showing me a, a real great setup for studio. Maybe we'll even include a few more changes as we go. But uh, um, we're trying to do uh, do more, uh, all that we can to produce a, a better product. And I look, I get it. We're having conversations that are sometimes um, a little difficult because history is not pretty. You know, I get you know, I get it all the time that if I talk about any of this ugly history that I'm somehow spewing hate and that I'm promoting hate. That's not the case at all. Um, if when we talk about some of these histories and when we talk about this cognitive dissonance, if it makes you uncomfortable, it's probably not making you uncomfortable because I'm saying it. It's probably making you uncomfortable anyway, and I'm kind of shining a little bit of a light on it. So... But uh, that's what we do here. And, and of course, we, we, we try to share these conversations. We, we do that by, by sharing the video of the show. Um, I, I want to thank all of you who do that, whether you share the podcasts or the, uh, the Facebook live streams or, the, um, or, or YouTube videos. I, I thank all of you who do that. It's, it's the way that you hear a conversation, whether you agree with it or not. I mean, that's not really the point here. I'm not trying to sell somebody um, my vision of the future or the, or the past or anything else. We're just trying to have a conversation here. You, you talked about this, this notion of, um, of listening, Ed, mm-hmm. uh, and this, this idea that listening is different than just you know, hearing the words coming out of somebody's mouth. Part of listening also has to do with understanding the perspective. Yes. Not because you need to share and, and, and gravitate towards that perspective, but to understand that that pers- perspective exists. Yes. And, you know, this other thing that we talk about, uh, empathy, empathy, the idea that you can actually feel what somebody uh, somebody's going through. You know, look, um, when I do my show this week in New York, I'm going to wear my Get Over It shirt because that is one of those expressions we hear all the time. And the problem, what's being... T- you know, sold to us and pushed on us is the idea that we should we should forget about all the bad things that have happened because they only happened in the past. Well, the problem is we face things today that are directly connected to you know, hey, the words of the Declaration of Independence. I mean, the the words in the U.S. Constitution. It's directly connected to to some of the the theological beliefs tied to various religions. Um, uh, racism is oftentimes a direct result of some of these hierarchies that are created, and that's the one thing. I mean, we um, again when we hear people promote something like the chief system. What right. they ignore is that we had a system uh, that is essentially symbolized in the circle wampum that shows right. the 49 families of our, of, of our peoples, right? 
and then the one title that uh, that is not tied to the one of those families, and that's the the, the Taradaho uh, title. And one of the things that you oftentimes offer is that that is that Taradaho has a responsibility not just to all of those forty nine families, but to creation itself. So that's I mean that's one of the things that that you you speak to. Yeah, one of the things I heard when the story of uh, Peacemaker was done was that they they convinced the people. Uh, went out and tried to convince Taradaho that there was good, okay, in in the circle of life, and they convinced him that all that life created um, what we live in, okay, and when it came down to um, naming the chiefs, and they were going to name him, he said, "No, he'll represent. He'll speak for the circle of life, and that's who who he represents." That's who he speaks for, according to the teachings, and the, in doing so, he um, he always has. But again, someone. he doesn't dictate over no, the circle he of life, and 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 so I guess getting you know the point that I was kind of trying to get to is yeah. that we have a system that includes our families, the people, and 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 those families. The definition of a family has to do with relationships, right? So. I mean, and this is what we we, we kind of you know get away from when we um, when we create a hierarchy because no longer are we talking about a circle that we're mm-hmm. where you know that that wampum is even woven in to, to bind us together, yeah. and it's not and it's not a binding in terms of you know something you know like an imprisonment you know or constricting. It's about you know tying us together in terms of relationships, and when we create hierarchies. And and this notion that you know that, that not just kings and queens, but the same thing could be said of bishops and priests and that kind of stuff. That that somebody has reached this higher level of um, you know of, of whether it's spirituality or power or governing you know governing control. That's where that has really led to some of again that cognitive dissonance that we're facing that we're facing even today. Mm-hmm. And uh, that. That's one of the things that was so-called every day at one time in history for our people, okay? And obviously, different peoples have gone different routes, but it's interesting to just look at things of that. And as much as it is interesting for us Native Americans, take a look at um, what all other people have gone through to reach this point in time. Yeah, I mean, because obviously we are all on an evolutionary scale, you know, and and we can, you know, look, we we can have people view us um, as Jefferson did, as you know, as merciless Indian savages, um, or primitive, or or somehow in less than human. I mean, there were senators even in the in the nineteenth century who were clearly talking about how um, what the challenge it was to have native people reach this level of humanity and so when they say that what they're saying is that we're not human that we haven't reached their their standard for what for what is defined as, as a human being and it's not just in the 19th century it gets into the 20th century that that we're faced with, with some of these challenges and you know and the reality is if you looked at our at our culture not just the customs and traditions that we picked up along the way because of you know these outside influences, but if you look at our culture, you would find the people who were more committed to this notion of humanity than than the people who were promoting civilization 
and mm-hmm. and and what they were uh they were labeling humanity because for them humanity was about this the system of order and and um uh and uh, again civilization is this idea that you're going to promote a a specific social order that that is you know that they define where our understanding of humanity talked about what our relationship as human beings were to the other to the rest of creation the rest of creation and for a purpose and that purpose was for the coming generations and again not for the for the next coming of christ or you know or end of days or any of this other stuff but we would our purpose was to not only prepare the next generation but to keep in in our minds that there's a generation that we will never that we will never see the ones that right. come after the generations that we see and that we have a responsibility to them and mm-hmm. and not just to the to the generations of human beings either yes. that's the other thing when we talk about creation we have a responsibility uh to to f- the future generations of other parts uh, other elements of creation that are around us and, and look does that sound like this ominous task no it's really i mean some people can can break it down to something as simple as do no harm well i think there's there's more than just do no harm but if that's all we did was did no harm, that would be a huge step up from where we're at now yes, in, terms of the, in terms of the human race uh, because we haven't even begun to, uh, to adopt um, you know, the ideologies that would, uh, that would do no harm. Yeah, and there's, there's all these things that you look at throughout history like the concept of private property. It doesn't exist within our within our historical communities because everything was created by, well, other other things. Whether it was Mother Earth, whether it was the thunders, whether it was the sun, but basically those those created that which we needed and that which we used to be able to continue, and therefore we didn't own anything. When we grew the crops, we didn't grow the corn, the earth, the grew thunders, yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the sun. They all helped it grow, basically. It, it was from them. So, therefore, we didn't have a right to claim it as ours. Well, and, and We shared it. And it's not just the land. I mean, because it's, it's, it's land, air, water. Yes. And, and, again, when we talk about land, air, and water, we also forget you know, the power of the sun, energy. Yes. I mean, and the ultimate energy that that we you know look mm-hmm. everything, even as we burn stuff, what we're what we're releasing yes. is what what those plants stored in terms of sunlight energy. Yes. The the ultimate source of energy is the sun, and we don't own the sun any more than we could own the moon, any more than we could own the air, own the water, or own the land. And so when we say that, the way white people interpret it is that we were primitive. That we hadn't we hadn't evolved to this uh, to the level uh, of of understanding and comprehending the land the, the the system of land ownership. Yet here we are, here we are now with you know whether it's a Seneca Nation deed or whether you know it's however we we deal with all these things. We we have uh, in the interest of surviving in the world around us, we have picked up some of those same same practices, yes. right and. And we struggle with them. So now we struggle with you know with the idea of where where are certain people going to live. We we end up with these housing developments that are they're you know more like a lottery than uh, you know than a than a right. Um, 
And yet, you know, even even with the 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 massive reduction in in our lands, we still have enough land for for the size of our population because not only did our lands be were, were reduced, but our populations were reduced. And mm-hmm. and the steps that we need to take now are about how do we utilize our relationship with with the resources that that are around us and i'm not even just con- confining us to the re- the reservation line or whatever else people want to call it no i think we have to understand our relationship to um to land air and water in ways that um that have been so corrupted again because of these customs that we've adopted into our lives right um and we need to to really understand the cultural significance of of what's what enabled us to survive for thousands and thousands of years and go through our own evolutionary development yeah. you know we we did cities we did you know we congregated in large populations and then we 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 moved beyond that we said no that doesn't work we we have gone through some of our our own evolutionary development and and you know that's not that's one of those things that you know certainly they're not going to teach any of that stuff in school well there's good and bad. There's the the longhouses, but there's also Canondigan. Canondigan was developed in order to feed the people who were having bad bad harvests. It, if, it was our own safety net, right? Yes. Yeah. And if they had a bad harvest, didn't matter where, whether it was Onondaga, Akwesasne, Seneca Nation, wherever, anywhere, even beyond the Haudenosaunee, they could go to Canondigan and get food. And and feed feed the village, feed the people. In fact, if you were to study it, you'd find out that uh, for um, George Washington had that winter Valley Forge. Valley yep. Forge. Yep. The way they survived it was that some Indian people took some other um, soldiers to Ganondagan, and they gathered the food they needed to feed each other. In through that winter, and that's what they were living off from was what they had gotten from Ganondagan. Well, and, and and of course, you know, the flip side of that is George Washington in his scorched earth policy. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. where, how he earned the name uh, Ronda de Gaius was because yeah. because and and it wasn't just George Washington was the only one. The, the first time Ganondagan was destroyed, and and some of that was uh, was the French, right? I mean, we yeah. there was a you know I don't know how many would have been a hundred years prior to that uh, or more. Mm-hmm. There there were the Europeans recognized that this idea that we had um, a a food storage a food bank essentially yes. you know for for our folks they knew that was one of the ways that was the only thing that resembled their uh what they would consider an accumulation of wealth and they knew and they knew to destroy it they not just to to destroy the stores but just destroy the crops and uh and try to you know damage the land in, in ways that it would not necessarily be able that we would not be able to grow crops for for a period of time that was the effort that's that was george washington's orders to sullivan but um mm-hmm. no you, you also mentioned something else that i think is worth noting the longhouse the longhouse wasn't it, it was never just a council house. It was never a, a place of worship, as, as many people try to treat it today. Longhouses were where we lived. We had extended families. We didn't have this notion of a nuclear family. That was something that came with, with Christianity, came with male, with patriarchy, because 
unlike i mean this and this is what what made the longhouse um fail it was because all of a sudden a man in his cat in his castle had to take precedent over the idea of living within the matrilineal system where 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 we lived with the with the 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 woman's clan so this extended family was was the mother was was the female line that would live in in a, in a longhouse and and that's what you extended that that home and and the and and those people who lived there but we we threw that out because the the christian um you know belief system philosophy did not embrace that that idea so so we end up becoming this nuclear family this idea of 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 a man's family as opposed to a a, a woman's line that's another one of those things and again yes. I, I look people can, can can criticize my criticism of of christianity but what i'm saying here and and what we're talking about with with all of these things are these traditions that we adopted that were not necessarily a part of our culture and we can again if we can objectively look at and say did we did we really benefit i mean we were literally people literally suggested that native people benefited from colonization because we were taught to be civilized and we were taught to be christians like somehow that reward was worth all of that all that we had lost yeah um people have to understand also that things change but there are some things that haven't take for instance a land base we have land bases that people don't even realize exist who are west of the mississippi they think everything's gone from mm. from a native perspective everything's been taken okay um it hasn't the land's we, still there <laughs> we still have we still have community and it's really in- interesting that the people will know each other beyond um i've been to urban areas you don't even know the person who lives across the street or uh, same uh, same building as you same building <laughs> but here man I've been back for, well, 10 days, and people are still saying, oh, you're back. When, how long are you going to be here? What were you doing? Just basically wanting to know what, what I've been um, doing. But it's an embrace, right? I mean, yes. it, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the embrace that, that a community has. And, mm-hmm. and we, while I argue we need a stronger sense of community, it's not because our sense of community is completely gone. I mean, there, we still see elements of it, and that's an example of yeah. it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, this is the idea that, you know, again, when we break down, you know, this idea of a longhouse, and all of a sudden we become the nuclear family. Now, and I was just talking to, to a friend of mine who works um, um, so so much on the, the missing and murdered indigenous women issue. Um, she... You know, she talked about this this idea that we we look at a at a family and a household. We say, "Well, what's going on?" And there's none of our business. That's not our culture. That's no. not that's not where we come from. Where we come from is that's not the a family, and we're a separate family. We would look at the families around us as part of our family, and 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 we have a responsibility. You know, Paul often talks about this idea that. When when people say, "Well, what's going on in their in, in their home is none of our business." Well, if you're raising a little girl, and that in that household is raising a little boy, and you're mm-hmm. saying that the violence that's taking place in the house is none of your business, 
Well, when your little girl ends up marrying that little boy and that's the environment he was raised in, you're going to think twice about whether that was any of your business about the violence that kid grew up in. Because that's how we perpetuate this stuff generationally. We create a generational trauma. Look, we experience plenty of that from off our territories but we because we adopt we we incorporate the alcohol into our communities we incorporate male patriarchy we've we've adopted all of these things that came from the outside they have an effect and because we aren't hanging on to some of the strong enough elements of our culture that says no what is happening in that in, in that family does affect me so yes i i say we this idea of privacy and this idea that you know the, the what happens in in you know between some in, in somebody else's home is none of our business well i i beg to differ look i'm not talking about what happens you know in terms of relationships i'm not talking about you know um sexual sexual issues or gender issues or you know or you know, gender preference none of that stuff i'm not talking about what happens in a bedroom i'm saying the violence that happens if that happens in a bedroom, then I think that's an issue. But I think these are the kinds of things that that we have, again, adopted these concepts and these philosophies that were not part of our culture, and and we're paying for it. That's why we have, you know, a, a fairly high level of uh, of domestic violence, even uh, uh, even even uh, uh, in, in native families. I mean, it's, it'd be great if we could just say, well, and the only domestic violence we experience is when, is when we have a mixed relationship. That's not true. Now, I've heard some statistics that suggest that 70% of the domestic violence that happens on uh, what Native women experience are because of a, a non-Native um, partner. I don't even know if it's that high. But, but even still, that means 30% of the violence is, 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 still, is still a Native man. And you know again we have a tendency to to look the other way uh, when it's our buddy who's doing some of these bad things so if you know you know he's a great guy except for when he gets drinking well then maybe you shouldn't drink with him maybe maybe we we need to to reevaluate some of our customs and traditions and and the things that have crept into our lives you know i think i, I these are the things that's why i want to have this conversation and and i don't i think we need to peel off the difference between a practice that has come into our communities and we're into our families mm-hmm. and what we really regard as a custom, a tradition, or as, as part of our culture. Within, um, we, we've discussed this before, but the concept of peace, I remember it was um, be, um, taught that peace was basically the absence of conflict. And I went and I um, worked with Worked uh, and got treatment from a um, Lakota man, and he helped under helped me to understand that that peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the ability to regain balance whenever you've started functioning on um, emotion, no matter what emotion you want to talk about. But basically, you have to regain that balance. That's where you give peace. Okay. And he taught that drinking is not a problem. Okay? And I was wondering about that until he said, drinking is a symptom of a problem. Drinking is basically the absence of your ability to regain your peace, regain your balance. Mm -hmm. And what used to exist within the longhouses was 
people would go talk to other people. And if necessary, you'd come and you'd talk to a group of people in order to resolve whatever was causing issue, okay? That we was, had a responsibility to help was, restore balance. That was the responsibility of the community to help restore that, yes. And, then, we, and, we, and we recognized that there were some people who were skilled at that. Yeah. And, and so the idea that there are some people who could provide counsel that's not with a C. That's with an S. They provide that kind of counsel to a, to a family, to um, to uh, an individual who might be struggling with something. This, you know, and of course, it wouldn't necessarily, like you said, it wouldn't necessarily just be one person with that skill set. Oftentimes, you would you would try to you know bring others you know to the table to help to help resolve because sometimes that conflict was internal. Sometimes that conflict was between people. Yeah, and you help them to understand. Again, listening. Empathizing and um, those types of things would help to resolve whatever it was that was causing that and help you to get balance to do so. Well, I mean, uh, a popular expression now is called restorative justice. And, oh. and this is where people come up with alternatives, not to, just to incarceration, but the, the alternatives to, to um, the idea of punishing somebody for committing an offense. And you know, that's mm-hmm. one of the examples. But, but the concept of restorative justice is, is, is what are you restoring? You're not really restoring justice. You're restoring balance. So yes. it gets back to this whole idea. You know, maintaining peace is, is not is not just about trying to prevent any conflict from coming into your community. Look, nature is rife with conflict. I mean, I don't, not only do you have, you know, obviously food chain issues, but you have, you know, trees competing for sunlight. You have, you know, areas competing for water. I mean, and I, I, don't, I don't mean just development. I mean species that are com- competing for water. Nature is full of conflict. And the balancing act of nature, which is what creates ecosystems, is how you create how nature shares, shares and, and creates this level of harmony and balance. Yes. Man is I mean, almost by definition, when we consider something that is natural, the, the opposite of something natural is man made. Yes. I mean we literally we've we actually use that as an expression. So there's there are there are natural products and then there's man made products. How did we get ourselves so far away from the natural system mm-hmm. that I mean and, and and you know I don't know that that everything created by a man or a, a, a human is necessarily unnatural, but that's where we've come because we have we defy nature nature with what we construct what we build you know how we conduct our lives we conduct our lives in a way that defies nature yeah um i was going to mention one of the things just uh within our language there's no word for goodbye okay each of us are going to pass on but the 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 concept that's carried is is that we'll meet again and then jinata again i yeah, even if it's you know meeting our meeting with as we return back to our mother, right? Yes. 
Hey, look, uh, we're just about out of time. I want to remind people that you can go to our website, which is uh, www.letstalknative.com. Uh, you can find our videos and audios and you know photo gallery, a bunch of stuff there. I also want to remind people that uh, that you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got a bunch of new great videos uh, of Jeff Doreen singing uh, Beatles tunes in Mohawk and, and, and a Dave Matthews tune uh, as well. Uh, but we, we post short-form videos. We post videos of the show, and it is a way that you can not only see our videos... But you can also go to the comments at the bottom of those videos as well, and uh, you know. And the, look, I do check them, I do respond to them <laughs> sometimes in ways that uh, uh, that might gra- uh, create a chuckle here and there. But uh, uh, but I do encourage people to engage with us, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on YouTube, or whether it's on Twitter. We uh, we try to use the social media platforms for uh, uh, to get the message out and to have these conversations. So I want to thank you for listening, and uh, we'll uh, ch- catch my show in New York. I'll be in New York this week on Thursday. I'm going to talk about getting over it. So you can join me there, and of course we'll be back here on Saturday. This is John Cade with Ed Schindler. I want to thank you guys for listening, and we'll we'll see you soon. Yowie. Yowie. Where did our sisters go? Highway 16 Where did our sisters go? Seems like nobody cares Nobody cares, nobody knows Well, mothers and daughters Fathers and sons Brothers and sisters